Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Aaron Lyons and Brandy Key from Daily Gather coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co host this week. She's a beverage consultant and the market manager for a craft spirits company. Linda Salinas, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm good. I'm living my best life. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, the Blossom Hotel, the new property in the medical center, has recruited chefs Ho Chi Boon and Akira Back for two new restaurants, Duck by Boon and AB Sushi. Uh, Duck by Boon will be a high-end Cantonese restaurant, obviously focused on Peking duck, and AB Sushi will serve a range of, you know, nigiri, sashimi, rolls, et cetera, et cetera. Both of these chefs have earned Michelin stars at different restaurants. Akira Back earned his for concept in Seoul, South Korea. Ho Chi Boon spent many years with the Hakkasan Group. We remember Yawacha, which held a Michelin star in London. So like serious pedigrees, serious food. Linda, let me, let me put it to you. Houstonians have been reluctant to embrace hotel restaurants. You know that well. You worked in a high-flying hotel restaurant many, many years ago. Many moons so, ago. But what do you think? Is this, is this the concepts that are going to break the curse, that are going to get people to go to a hotel to have dinner? You, say, you ask these questions of me, and you're always going to get the same answers. <laughs> no, I mean, I just, you know, I, I think it's really interesting, A, hotel, B, medical center. That's a hard crowd. You know, do you think that people with autoimmune, you know, like they can't eat raw food or can't eat raw fish? Like, does is that the best spot for these incredible chefs? Let's, let's ask these questions. Like, what is the clientele? I mean, that's honestly, you know, I do consulting. That's the first thing I, when people are like, oh, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about, you know, so on and so forth? What do you think about this menu? What do you think about this space? I walk through spaces all the time and I'm like, hey, let's, let's look at the neighborhood. What does the neighborhood mean? Where, where are these, where is this flocking, adoring Houstonians going to come from? You know? Um, those are just questions. I mean, do I think that they're not going to be incredible? Of course they'll be incredible. They're trained beautifully, but yet again, where is this, where's, where's their, their people coming from? Right. Right. I I guess what I'm, I guess what I'm saying to you to a certain extent is if you look at the people say going to rice village for dinner mm -hmm. or maybe going to MF sushi in the museum district, yeah, like, will they pivot? Will they will they detour just a mile or two to have dinner at a sushi restaurant in an upscale hotel, knowing that the chef has this pedigree and that we expect it to be of quality? I think that Houstonians are Houstonians love new restaurants, but yet again, we are people of convenience. And if it is not convenient, to get in and out of these spaces, they're like, see you later, bye, we're going to the next place. I mean, how many, how many people 
do I talk to? And it's like, oh, we went there and there wasn't any parking. So we just went to another place because we have so many other options. You'll go over to Kata, you go to MF or go to somewhere else. So well, I'm just playing devil's advocate. That's all I'm saying. No, no, I, I, I think I definitely a... want to go check it out. Right, right. Well, I mean, you know, you and I, and I, I think every co-host of this podcast, our, our mouths water at the thought of a, a deliciously executed Peking duck. So oh, 100%. more than more than the sushi restaurant, because we, we have so many good sushi restaurants in Houston. I'm, I'm much more intrigued by Ho Chi Boon's duck based Cantonese restaurant because there's relatively few of those. And, you know, we're still, you know, we're waiting for Fung's Kitchen, arguably the city's best Cantonese restaurant to reopen after its fire. And he brings such a pedigree and such a resume and so much experience. Like, I think that is more of a destination. And that, even if I have to hassle a little bit with, uh, you know, an expensive valet or a walk from the garage to the hotel or whatever it is, at least once I, I'm going to check out that duck. And if it's delicious, which I expect it to be, you know, this could be like a, a quarterly or like a biannual kind of uh, dining excursion. All right. <laughs> Let us move on to topic number two. Speaking of Chinese restaurants, Mala Sichuan is coming to MKT. This is the mixed-use development on Shepherd, just north of I-10. We've been talking about this all year because it's where Dagama is and Homestead, uh, a new bar that just opened called Highline Park, Casa Nomad, uh, Rock and Ramen, uh, Honey Child Sweet Creams, et cetera, et cetera. And for this location, they're, they're stepping up the design a little bit. They're going to work with Jin Design Group, who's done a whole bunch of projects all over town maybe most prominently Eunice, but also Axelrad and several other places uh, for a, a little more sophisticated design. Linda, I say all that to say to you, is Mala a good addition to the Heights? And what do you think about them working with Gin Design Group? Hell yeah, I'm in for this. Uh, first off, I love Jen Braverman. There's a lot of really great designers in, in Houston and I, I love her work. Um, but I mean, the fact that Mala is cracking into the, the Heights is really exciting. I really love that whole, um, little, you know, I guess, what would you call that? Like that just development, that development. I call it just, a development. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause it's, I mean, it's got offices and retail and restaurants. Yeah. No. And I mean, I, I mean, every time I, I go there, you know, and I've tried, I've tried a couple of things there, like. It's just, it's a great addition. And I like the fact that it's like on a running trail and you can walk toward, walk to it, you know, and obviously you can drive there. Um, but like, it just, it just allows more flavor in that division, you know, in that little part of town. No, I agree. And, and I like that they have like a couple of national tenants, Sweet Green is there. Mendocino Farms is about to open. There's a sushi restaurant coming from out of state that's already in Dallas. But, you know, there's also these like ambitious local concepts. I mean, the Gama is one of my favorite new restaurants of this year. Yeah. Uh, we've been there a couple of times, you know, and Mala, you know, for as many like Sichuan restaurants as have opened in Houston since Mala got started in 2011, 
I still think of Mala as kind of the leader of the pack. Absolutely. I mean, obviously other people do do good Szechuan, excuse me, good Szechuan. And I really enjoy a couple of other dishes at other other places that they just do better. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, um, They do. Like, they're just people that do it better. But like, there's something. Absolutely. You know, but it's almost like for me, Mala is more comforting comforting as far as like just iconic dishes you know like that that just hit they hit just right so um do i do i think it's the absolute best no but do they have really great dishes and i i still pop in there and i still pick up stuff there uh 100 i'm really excited to have them cracking into that into that part of town well also new at this location will be cocktails by our friend Chris Frankel, who worked at Enville and had spare key and has done uh, a bunch of consulting around town. Oh, good old Chris Frankel. Yeah, I, 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 I like his drink development actually a lot. Um, he actually uh, did the cocktails at Degama as well. He did. Yes. Yeah, so um, he's a little busy bee. He doesn't give himself enough credit, but okay. Right. But one of the things I really like about Chris Frankel is that he, really knows these flavors. He's traveled to different parts of Asia. He's been a longtime fan and advocate for Malasechuan. And so whatever he creates for them, I know will be like, it will, it will use the right ingredients. It will pair really well and it will allow the food to shine. And so I, it's such a smart addition for them to work with him. Well, and I think that because we're, you know, obviously, Chris and I used to work together. He has a lot more experience than I, than I do, but I think that consultants are interesting sometimes because as much as, as much as our experience comes into a restaurant, I think that the landscape of employees and bartenders nowadays are very different than they were like even three or four years ago. So kind of like tuning into what the guests want, what the restaurant wants, what the flavors are and what the bartenders are willing or wanting to execute is like, is it's a, a tricky scale to balance. So I, I want to see what, what Chris has to say as far as ingredient use and staffing and all that good stuff. Yeah, no, that's a good point, right? Like it, it you know, you can make all the delicious egg-based frothy cocktails you want but if you can't find the staff that's going to shake the thing properly then what's the point yeah yeah i mean who cares if you have a fennel and you know kumal like cocktail and the the bartender's like what the fuck is that like <laughs> who who are you i don't want to do that i want to make vodka vodka sodas so right but yeah we'll see what happens i i, I can't wait to see the space no i'm i'm totally with you on that and that looks to open, I don't know, it's under construction right now. So fingers crossed, January, maybe February. But pretty soon we'll be eating water-boiled ah. fish and red oil chili dumplings in the Heights. They're not even finished, they're not even finished with construction. No, I I peaked. I I, I peaked by it's it's right next to Honey Child. So when I went for ice cream, I I peeked through the windows. They're working on it. Oh, cry emojis. 
probably gonna be up until September. <laughs> no, it'll be it will be over much sooner than Oh why? Ah! I'm in a glass case of emotion. <laughs> All right, let us move on to topic number three. Good Company announced that it will not reopen Good Company Barbecue in the Woodlands. Instead, it will replace it with a new seafood concept called Good Company Fish Camp and Oyster Bar. Details are a little bit light, but it seems like it will be a little more casual than Good Company Seafood, but still grounded in that, you know, good oyster program, Gulf Coast Seafood simple fish dishes. I mean, Linda, for me, Good Company Seafood is the best restaurant concept from that hospitality group. Mm -hmm. And so them doing more seafood is a good thing. Look, all I really, I hope Good Company listens to the show because all I really want for Good Company to do is just stop playing around with the other stuff and just call it good company's shrimpatorium because like the best thing that they do is their damn fried shrimp and their freaking tartar sauce <laughs> it's so good i mean it's a little that's a little disrespectful to the campechana that i think is the best thing oh, oh come on it's got olives in it <laughs> <laughs> side note side note just in case anyone listens to me i hate olives <laughs> So I just, it's not my compachana, but it's cool. I get it. I think that um, they, they obviously know and understand the neighborhood. And that's really, I mean, that's really what a great restaurateur should, should do. It's like, they had a good concept. They knew that they came into a market that needed something more casual. Hey, guess what? Let's pivot. You know, I'm excited to see what they've got going on up there. Right. I think, I think Good Company Barbecue is very old school in its approach compared to newer barbecue places in that area, especially Killens, especially Corkscrew. It's not the same, right? It's, yeah. it's just a different style. And if you grew up with it and you crave it, then you're good. And if you have gotten used to, you know, the, the Franklin style, what Daniel Vaughn calls big city barbecue, that's kind of taken over Texas, then Good Company is pretty lean and pretty mild in terms of its seasoning and smoke flavor. And so it might not suit your palate. So barbecue out, seafood in, they've got a great, that kitchen and cantina, their Tex-Mex concept that's up in the woodlands and they've got one in Memorial, I think is, is actually very delicious. I've had good meals there uh, at both locations. And so, you know, swapping out uh, barbecue for seafood makes a lot of sense to me because I, off the top of my head, really can't think of like a casual seafood concept in the woodlands. It's family friendly. That's, you know, hopefully relatively by 2021 standards, affordable and welcoming. And so uh, this is all to the good as far as I'm concerned. Well, but in all honesty, like their beverage game, I mean, so many more options for beverages when it's, when it comes to seafood. Like, Oh yeah. They make I, delicious cocktails. Right. Oh they, yeah, great cocktails, great wine list. I I mean, I like going in there and having maybe a cocktail and a few glasses of wine, and, and it's just it's very well thought out, um, and it's they're consistent, so uh, it just gives people more options to eat and drink when it comes down to to um, to that that style of concept. So kudos to them. 
Yeah, no, I, I took a friend to Good Company Seafood for the first time recently and just house margarita. She was mm-hmm. like, wow, this is really good. I was like, uh-huh. That's because they they made that commitment a few years back and brought yeah. in somebody who really knew what he was doing. And they've been ship shape ever since. Yep. Rob Crabtree. He lives in Florida now. But yeah, we we had a we went we went there a couple of weeks ago and we had a seafood tower and a bottle of ouvre and it was affordable and delightful and that that just shows you the gamut of what of what they they actually do absolutely all right that does it for the news of the week we'll be right back with our restaurant of the week stick around Today's show is sponsored by Balconis Distilling. Balconis makes grain to glass whiskeys at their distillery in Waco. I could talk about all the awards they've won or that they're one of the pioneers of the growing American single malt movement. Instead, I want to talk about flavor, specifically of their flagship Texas One single malt. Pour a dram and you'll get aromas of toffee and overripe fruit. Take a sip and savor the silky texture and flavors like lightly toasted bread with butter and marmalade. The finish offers more of those coffee toffee notes with wood flavors that round it all out. Personally, I drink my whiskey neat, but you're welcome to try it with a little water or even in any classic whiskey cocktail. Look for Balconis in stores, bars, and restaurants across Texas. Try it. I think you'll like it. Linda, for our restaurant of the week, I want to talk to you about Trattoria Sofia. This is Ben Berg's new Italian restaurant in the Heights. It occupies the former Presidio space on 11th Street. I will say it looks nothing like Presidio. The, the, you know that that restaurant had a fire, so obviously it's been completely gutted, completely redone. Um, and 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 well, let, let's start with there. I mean, what did you think about the interior of Sophia? What were kind of your first impressions when you walked in the door? I love that space. It's a, it's just a very well thought out space from bathrooms, lighting, music. Um, I like the greenery. I like the gold. I like the, I mean, there's just like the patio is, uh, it's not just a regular old normal patio with, 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 it's, it's just really well-dressed. It's a really well-dressed restaurant altogether. Um, It feels luxurious in there. And I mean, it just kind of, it, it's very, it's very Benberg. So. No, right. I agree. And, and really just thinking about kind of the, the upscale restaurants in the Heights, you know, whether that's Maison Puccia, Squabble, Cultivare, even Savor, this is another step up in terms of just posh design, right? The, the trees that are in the dining room and have been planted on the patio, the, the banquettes, the, you know, all of those little details, I think, details. are just, it's, it's elevated. I think that that's a restaurant that fits the Heights very well. Well, and then let's talk about the food because they hired Chef LJ Wiley, who, if you're kind of old school, if you were around the restaurant scene several years ago, you know, like the 2012, 13 kind of range, that name will be familiar to you because he was the executive chef of a restaurant called Yalapa that was a Mexican seafood concept, arguably ahead of its time. 
And then he, he had a food truck and then he spent a few years in Peru and he's back making Italian food. And, you know, Linda, I've been, I've been visiting all of these various new Italian restaurants around town, whether that's Lulu's, whether that's Alba Ristorante or Concura. Uh, but I, I, I was very impressed by what we ate at Sofia. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit at, at, at lunch. Um, I mean, I've been following uh, LJ for several years. And I think one of the things that I'd said while we were, while we were dining was LJ definitely was way ahead of his time and his food really matched, really needed, really needed the right backing to, to put his food in, in the right, in the right setting, you know, cause doing ceviches and delicate ingredients just don't match a taco truck. They don't match a little kind of divey restaurant. So a lot of the dishes that we had were very thoughtful, great cheese, great olive oil, great dough. They have a 72 hour dough from the prosciutto. You know, it's an, I think it's an 18 or 24 month prosciutto that is, is touched by no heat. You know, there's, there's just a lot of little things that, that are elevated and they, and they need, they need the space to shine. And that's, I think that that's one of the reasons why I, I, I like their food. It's just not only is the design good, but the food is very good too. Yeah. And just specifically, I mean, the, the roasted beets with the, the labna, I thought that was a, a very flavorful dish. The octopus was nicely cooked. You know, we had three different pastas, a cacio e pepe, a, a bucatini with pesto and uh, oh, that, a lamb ragu. I mean, uh, all three of those pastas, I would 100% go back for. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I thought Coltivare is the king of cacio e pepe in the Heights, but I think this one needs a toe to toe. Like let's taste it, you know. Um, Taste them back to back, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're they're both they're both very very good. Right. I mean, the cultivari one is obviously more aggressively peppery, right? Because mm-hmm. that, that's the that's the flavor profile. The Trattoria Sofia version is a little more traditional, where it's a little more balanced. And so you know, but they're both like very flavorful, very nicely cooked, and it it's really going to come down to a matter of taste and setting. But yes, I mean. You know, for the first time since Cultivare opened, I think there's a really compelling Italian style restaurant that's uh, a worthy alternative. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, and a lot of the a lot of the pastas are are Sicilian. You know, they're they're it's that style, and those dishes those dishes are very concentrated. You know, as far as like that region is concerned, so I really like that, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, overall, really a really great cocktail menu um, created right. by Alba Huerta. Wine list was very good. It's a it's right. Sam really Sam Governale Sam Governale has got his hand on the wine list, so of course it's you know thoughtful. He knows Italian wines very well. Best uh, dressed man in all of uh, Houston dining. <laughs> no argument for me. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, they, um, I mean, even just their little, their little landing um, and their bathrooms are, are just full of little details. So uh, just to put a pin in this, you'll go back. I've already been back. There you go. <laughs> Linda, that does it for our restaurants of the week. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for having and me. 
And I will be right back with Aaron Lyons and Brandy Key. I am joined this week by two of the people behind Daily Gather, a new restaurant coming very soon to City Center. Let me introduce you individually so people can hear your voices. Aaron Lyon, founder, CEO, owner. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Chef Brandy Key, Director of Culinary Operations. Welcome back to you as well. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for doing this. Brandon, let me start with you. I mean, obviously, I've followed your career across a whole bunch of places, you know, from Copa to your Dallas Blue for a little while. What about working with Aaron for 512 Restaurant Concepts, which is the, the company behind both Daily Gather and Dish Society, was the right move for you? Um, I actually love this question because... I feel really lucky just in the whole like scheme of my career and what I've been able to do and who I've been able to align with. And one of the things when I met with Aaron and Trent was the amount of detail that has gone into the back end of their business and really like setting up the things that make you not just like being able to put out great food, but also being able to run a business from the top to the bottom. And in all of our conversations, that we had every time I'd get you know finished talking with Aaron I'd go home and oh my gosh like this is the guy that I want to work with because we can talk about things from a business mind um, and it's something that I've always appreciated in the business because as much as I love to cook running restaurants developing concepts and that sort of thing when you find the right partnership of someone that can really get into the nuts and things with you uh, is pretty refreshing so that was that was a big a big draw for me just for this whole company in general, the, the ethics and just the way that they are as human beings is, is outstanding and impeccable. And so I always want to be people who are striving for those same things that I am. So, well, and I realized in that brief introduction, I, I sold you a little bit short, right? It wasn't just Copa. I mean, you were with Clark Cooper concepts through a very uh, fertile period for them, right? You, you, oh, opened, yeah, absolutely. you know, two locations of Copa, Punk Simple Southern Food, the Dunleavy, Salt Air, the, the Seafood Kitchen. So, I mean, you're you're getting pretty good at opening restaurants, I would say. Uh, yes, I would say so. Um, it's those restaurants that I got to you know open up with Grant and Charles. Like that was that was a very productive period for for that company, and it was a very productive period for me too because you know we were just taking these concepts and just you know trying to, to match up things with different real estate properties, et cetera. And there was a lot of growth that, that was there. Um, you know, some of the things on the back end that I'm more associated with now with this company is, you know, getting like the numbers and some of the things in line that you don't necessarily think about when opening a is we're really tackling those things head on, which I really appreciate because we know, you know, starting from the ground one day one that we're putting ourselves in a position to be really great restaurateurs. Yeah. And uh, Aaron, this seems like a good time to to bring you into this. I mean, I don't think of Dish Society as chef driven, but I do think of it as sort of food focused, right? You, you care about the quality of the food, but it's not it's not a specific person sort of that's responsible for creating it. So 
why, like, why Brandy kind of, why was it the right time to bring someone with her resume into the company? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Honestly, it's, it's something that we've always wanted to do. We just hadn't found the right person. You know, we, we brought on chefs in the past and um, they, they've all made really great contributions to the company, but we were really looking for somebody that could really grow with us and take us to the next level, not just kind of fill an immediate need, but go with us the next five, 10 years on this journey. Right. And, and really take us to the next level and not just, um, see things from a, let's get in the kitchen and let's create exceptional food. That's part of it, but also see the business side of things, the growth side of things, the training side of things, the leadership development, the staff development, the culture, the core values, you know, all those boxes have to be checked. And that's, that's really to find somebody that really encompasses all those things. And, and um, you know, with, with brand, like she absolutely did. And it was a home run sort of partnership on, on our end. And so, um, you know, honestly, she's been with us for almost a year now and hasn't tackled a whole lot of Dish Society stuff. Came in, got acclimated, and then we wanted to – we had it pretty quick to, for Daily Gather. A lot of work goes into, uh, you know, obviously creating a new concept from scratch, and I wanted her involved in that process. This was bad for the last several years, um, but it was just in my head, and I wanted to get um, Brandy's perspective from a chef and so involved in all the design meetings, the branding meetings, the logo, the naming, everything, not just the menu. Um She's got this extensive background doing this and a very successful track record. Um, I really wanted her involved in this, uh, the whole process from, from, from beginning to end. So it was, it was great. Well, yeah, let's, let's talk about Daily Gather and how it's maybe sort of similar to Dish Society and maybe how it's a little bit different than Dish Society because I have the feeling it's, it's going to be pretty different. Right. It, it's similar in that it's um, approachable that it's balanced, that there's sort of this sort of classic sense to it as far as what we serve. Um, but it's much more elevated. It's a different experience. It's an elevated experience. It's an elevated menu. It's more ambitious. Um, there's more bar forward, uh, those types of things. It's a bigger restaurant. It's full service um, for lunch and dinner and, and brunch. It's not counter service. Um, it's just more what you would expect from a kind of an up casual type of a restaurant. Um, so it's, you know, the ethos, the core values, the culture components don't, don't change. Right. Because that's who we are as a company. Um, the execution on what we're doing and how we're presenting things is, is very different. Yeah. Brady, I mean, how would you describe kind of the, the concept and, and maybe what we can expect uh, from the menu? Sure. I think, you know, from a food standpoint one of the things we talk about a lot you know with daily gather is that it has this piece of nostalgia to it where we're taking items and menu you know ingredients and that sort of thing and it's it's things that people know and they've maybe seen before but we have a twist we have something that we do just a little bit different to it so when you read through these things and you eat this food you kind of have these like remembering of, oh yeah, I've had this before. I've had this experience before. And a lot of what we're trying to do with the food is a, we want to have for everyone and we want to create this space where we, we can share, 
right? So the majority of the menu is really set up to be shareables that you can put down on the table. Um, this isn't a restaurant that's just full of like just small two tops and four tops. Like we've, we've made this into a spot where you can bring people together and it's really celebrating just the idea of being at the table, turning off your phone, putting a bunch of food in the middle and share stuff. And so the food really kind of dictates that where I stayed in classic, uh, you know, American kind of feel of things, but also was able to represent Houston or seafood, some of the different cultures that we have in Houston, but it's all done in a way that, you know kind of what you're getting, but you also get a surprise when it comes to the table, um, which I think is going to make eating here and dining here a lot of fun. I mean, when you talk about putting together, you know, something for everyone, does that get harder when so many people have so many different like <laughs> dietary choices, right? Like, you know, you get a group of six people together, inevitably, like, someone will be gluten-free, someone will be vegan or vegetarian, Always. someone will be pescatarian. You don't invite uh, those people, Eric. You, you don't invite those people. <laughs> well, they, they don't tend to be friends of mine, but, but I'm, I'm told I, I'm told that this is a phenomenon that exists in the world. Um, I actually, yes, you are absolutely right. It, it does get challenging these days with all the different dietary restrictions and diets and things that people uh, want to uh, adhere to and do. One of my philosophies in building menus is, it, again, it touches on this word of balance where I've never wanted to run a restaurant that was just solely vegetarian or vegan or pescatarian or was only gluten-free. I've always kind of tried to put together menus that will allow anyone to be able to eat those things and to find options on the menu without necessarily putting a, a label to it that this is you know, all of this is vegetarian, but you knowing me, you know that I've got a lot of vegetable dishes that are on the menu that are standalone that can be their own in season, because I feel like that's a really important art and kind of flow of how you can have a really memorable dining experience is being able to put all these things in, you know, they're, they're available. Well, yeah. And then you also mentioned immigrant tradition. So maybe just talk about what some of the flavors that you're, you're working with. Sure, absolutely. I mean, we've we've definitely got a little bit of Vietnamese flair in it. We've got some Chinese kind of inspired dishes, definitely some Tex-Mex. Uh, we want to use things like corn and cotija and cilantro. We also want to use soy sauce and fish sauce. And one of our herb mixes that, that we're using is a Vietnamese herb mixes that takes all of those herbs that you'd either see in pho or banh mi and putting them on different things that you might not necessarily, you know, expect to have it on. So, you know, bone marrow that's got kind of a Vietnamese flavor to it. Um, really beautiful chili that is a little Asian in one respect, but also it's kind of the principle of these beautiful liquids and sauces in Mexico that are used to cure and flavor fish. So those are some of the things we're trying to weave into this whole thing. Yeah. And um, Aaron, I mean, you, you mentioned sort of it's a step up in terms of service and decor. I mean, what are you sort of thinking or, or, you know, how, are, how is that going to sort of manifest itself? Yeah. And I, you know, I think going back to, you know, sort of di differentiating between dish society and, and daily gather, um, you know, dish societies, the whole premise of that is more built around convenience, right. You know, uh, I've got 40 minutes for lunch or, you know, uh, quick dinner or to go, whatever. This is more like Brandy was saying, um, we really want to celebrate kind of, Bringing, coming back to the table, 
sharing and, and, and we've all noticed this, I think, especially in the, the whole premise for, for this concept for me was I find myself going out to dinner, even if it was just with my, but typically if we went to dinner with a few other couples, it wasn't a lot of like, well, I'm going to order uh, an entree and a salad, right? It was like, Hey, let's order six or seven appetizers for the table. Maybe my wife and I split an entree, but we want to just try a bunch of different things. And so this concept was built both from a menu perspective and from a design perspective to encourage those interactions. Um, and, and really you can have, you can kind of manage your own experience and you can have a different kind of experience depending on when you come. Right. And so um, I think for us that from a design perspective, we really used uh, sort of like the Soho house kind of vibe um, as inspiration. We brought in Gen Designs again um, to, to help us with this and sort of they were, we were inspired by sort of the Soho house that you see and, and each one a little bit different um, and it's kind of got this unique charm and this very kind of living roomish type of feel to some extent. So we will have room-ish areas. We will have big plush chairs, uh, really nice banquettes, um fun tables different chairs that kind of thing really cool lighting really good sounds uh really prominent bar uh so those are the things that that we really you know wanted to to bring in we have a huge patio i mean we were in the middle of city center right on the main green and we got about a 2000 square foot patio and so uh, a lot of seating out there um we do a lot of fun stuff on the patio and and it's uh it's a good patio. Most of it's functional year round. So, you know, whether it's 40 degrees and or it's raining or it's a hundred degrees, we'll still be able to utilize the majority of the patio. So we think that that'll be good. You know, obviously a lot of people enjoy eating outside when they can. Um, and with that, that scene, particularly that location, I think it's, it's uh, makes it very desirable. Well, and let me ask you about that location because it has been a couple of different things over the years. Most recently international smoke, what is it about city center that appeals to you? Because I, I mean, obviously like that Capitol grill is I think one of the busiest Capitol grills in the country. And, you know, so certainly it, it's, it draws a lot of people, but it has, it's, you know, the parking can be kind of a problem and, you know, how do you sort of assess the development and, and what do you see as daily gathers role within like the community of restaurants there? Sure. Um, love city center. I think it's a great pro- uh, think that I know what they're doing. I know what their plan is for the next several years. And it's really going to, um, there's a lot of really neat things that they're doing from, from an occupancy standpoint, for example, I mean, they're almost hundred percent leased, right. From an office standpoint. Right. So, you know, there's this whole notion of people aren't going back to the office and people aren't working and doing this. And, and they, they have basically leased up all of their office space, which is great because clientele for us there's residential there marathon oil just moved their headquarters there and just opened there's new phases coming there's a new hotel coming there's new retail coming um so they're really i mean they're doing a phenomenal job with the project as a whole they do a really good job of programming it um to keep people coming and engaged um i like the project because in west houston you know, it is it is named city center for a reason. It is kind of a destination for uh, people 
Cyprus to even Sugarland to Katy or whatever, it's, it's a destination for people to come. Um, and, and you can really, you know, eat, work, play there. And we really like, I've always liked city center and I've always liked that location. You know, the other two concepts that were there prior to us were California imports and just for whatever reason, kind of struck out from an execution standpoint and resonance with sort of that, you know, Houston, West Houston demographic. I think people in that area want something local. They want something approachable. They want something that um, is difficult to find in the area. And so, you know, there are a lot of, you know, Darden kind of Cheney restaurants in there, right? There's Eddie B's and Capitol Grill and Yard House, and they all do really good numbers and they all are successful restaurants. Um, but there's really nothing we've, we found in that area, not just in city center, but surrounding area that sort of fits in that area between like a dish society and a Capitol grill, right. Or a Bella green and a, and a Capitol grill. And so, um, as somebody who's officed in city center for the last four years, our corporate office is, we used to be in city center, uh, you know, we would eat out all the time and we found it very difficult to, to kind of find that middle ground of what we want. There's a huge demand for private events and corporate events and happy hours and things like that um, and massive weekend draws. And so we really feel like we're going to get the best world um, with a lunch crowd, a dinner crowd, a social hour crowd, a weekend crowd, an events crowd. Um, they do those for, you know, 4th of July and New Year's and things like that. So there's always traffic that comes through there, you know, and, and the parking, I mean, the parking sucks in the Heights too. People still figure it out, right? Montrose, it sucks. People still figure it out. So uh, as much as it, it is, it can be inconvenienced. There's valet and there's plenty of parking in the garages and things like that. It is more of a destination. So we feel like people, you know, are coming there to, to typically to do more than just, you know, one thing. Right. So. Right. Right. Dinner in a movie or. Right. Dessert, whatever. let the kids run around, whatever it is. Like they work there. They have a meeting there. They're staying at the hotel. There's a conference. There's all kinds of uses for that project that we really, but we really like that attract us for sure. And then I sort of think of that kind of Memorial spring branch area as kind of having to be sort of family friendly. Do, do you sort of see that as a component of, of daily gather? I mean, are you going to, you're going to go so far as to have a kid's menu? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you have to. I mean, if, you, if you're opening a memorial and you have a kid's menu, uh, you know, you better watch out. Um, <laughs> I live in the area. I've got three kids. Um, you know, there's definitely a family friendly component. Is it a place where you're going to walk into on a Friday night and you see 12 high chairs and crayons on the floor? No. Um, but, you know, we will have a kid's menu. We will have that opportunity for people to bring uh, children. We do not want it to be uh, pretentious or intimidating for, uh, you know, a mom with two kids, you know, on a Wednesday night or, or during the day for lunch or whatever. So, um, absolutely a lot of thought has gone into that. Uh, and Brandy, I, I guess I should ask you, I mean, tell me, like, tell me that you're making pasta again, because I, I just, I need that in my life, like as a diner. Yes. Uh, we are definitely going, we're going to start off with the pasta um, and I'm actually going to do which you've, you've probably had before, but I'm bringing back the spaghetti Lola because it's one of my favorite pastas ever. And the story and all of it just pertaining with my grandmothers and family and cooking and just the whole spirit, I think of what we're trying to do and hospitality is kind of summed up in that dish. Um, I do foresee in the future that we will probably have 
couple more pastas on the menu and get into actually making it for sure. Um, this, the setup within the restaurant is, it's not challenging, but you know, it's, it's not necessarily set up to have this, you know, big giant wooden block and, and all these different shapes and forms and that sort of thing. Uh, because we want to touch on all of these different types of food, but it felt like a really great pasta to start with because it's simple and, and beautiful. And, and again, tells a story for us. Um, but I do, that is, you know, me and pasta, I've got to love a relationship with it. So I look forward into the future, um, to actually have our commissary make pasta for our entire company, hopefully, um, because those are the types of dreams and, and things that we want to do and, and like, and that we've got access to dish to be able to, to utilize that whole component set that I've learned from making pasta for as long as I have. So, um, you're definitely going to get one tasty one to start you know, who knows what the seasons uh, bring to us once we get going. Yeah. You know, and the, the other thing about the, the kind of, you know, sharing format or is to a certain extent, you can kind of either de-emphasize the entree or you can kind of upsize them, right? Like the, the yeah. big ribeye for groups or a whole fish or a, I mean, you know, I just, I just had a whole snapper as part of a meal uh, this past weekend. It's, it's a really satisfying way to eat, at least for me. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I, I have always been the, keep all my friends that are close to me that go out to dinner and who do not want to order one thing. <laughs> they don't want to order their one plate. Like you want to come to the dinner table with me. I want all my friends to show up and it's like someone order a bunch of stuff and let's just, you know, go to town. Um, I think what we've done, you know, to start off with, you know, daily gather is, you know, we, we always know that this concept will be evolving, right? That's part of what always keeps us ahead of the industry, ahead of, you know, things that people get really excited about eating about. It gets excited about seasons, that sort of thing. And so there's a lot of built in structure with this menu um, to not only give something that's consistent to the guests, but it allows us some wiggle room that as things come in, that we can do some large proteins. We're going to have some gathering boards that are kind of a mishmash of you know if you don't want to read through the menu you can just order a gathering board and it's got you know a combination of different things that you don't have to think about that you can try and taste and so you know one of the things with this concept is we want to make sure that you know we can scale it we feel like we can put this into other markets and places in Houston and so there's a fine line with you know, rubbing, running something that is 100% chef driven where whatever comes in the back door, I'm going to cook that day. And then having something that's got a little structure and kind of language around it and format so that if we get beautiful snappers out of the Gulf and we can do that for two um, and it makes sense that we're, we've got that quality. So I feel like starting the, the entrees by no means are de-emphasized in this particular concept. Um, but the shareables and that whole premise is like right in your face, right when you sit down and look at the menu. Yeah, there's there's three times as many shareable options on the menu as there are entrees. So, you know, that is the emphasis. That is the focus. Uh, the, the entrees you have are very focused and, you know, there's a lot of work put on those. Um, and we think that there's going to be, you know, a really great options for everybody. The dish that I'm the most excited about is the short rib gnocchi. That's my favorite uh, thing so far that, that Brandy's done. And I'm, I'm super excited about that. It's a very savory dish. I think it's really great. And then, you know, as we do with dish, you know, sourcing local sustainability, all that stuff's at the forefront of everything we do. That'll dictate a lot of, you know, how we move, move the menu around throughout the year. 
um, you know, with one restaurant and it being new, we have a lot of flexibility on how we do things and how quickly we can change versus at dish making a change now with six locations challenging um and we still do it but it's challenging with this I mean, we could change the menu you know on a daily basis if we needed to for certain things and so we we, we like to do that and kind of try things very quickly oh and brady you 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 anticipated one of my one of my questions i mean you see this as, as a concept that can grow i mean do you have like a you have locations in mind do you have a timeline in mind like well, I, I, the first question is, when do you think the first daily gather is going to open? And then how quickly do you think you'd be ready to do a second one? Yeah, we've already signed three leases, Eric. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> you're, you're sending me running to my keyboard. I like emailing <laughs> your, your publicist. Uh, so right now we're shooting for first week of January as our target go live date with some soft opening stuff prior to that. Now, we've got to hire 50 people in the next few weeks, right. For that to even be able to happen. It's very difficult to hire people around the holidays and this time of year and just roll, right. It's, it's difficult to hire people. So that will really dictate um, when we, when we open, but right now kind of our line in the sand is first week of January um, to answer the question about expansion. Um, you know, yeah, this is you know, without having seen this one live, you know, we're confident that it would work, but obviously we want to see this in action and there's going to be some tweaks and some things we change um, before we would scale. But I'm constantly looking for opportunities for Dish Society, um, not just in Houston, but outside of Houston. And um, while I'm looking at those, I'm also looking under the lens of Daily Gather and being both concepts in multiple markets is, is something that's very appealing to us. Um, so yeah, I this would work in any of the major markets. I This isn't going to be like a Dish we're not going to open six of these in Houston, right? It might be two, maybe three, something like that. Um, but uh, absolutely, I mean, this this will this will translate into you know other markets. It's not just a suburban market. It's not just a city center kind of that type of big mixed use development thing. I think there's a lot of opportunities for this. <laughs> well, and and working with a, a big developer like Midway, I mean, Lord knows they have plenty of opportunities for you that, that might be appealing. You know, you could, uh, you know, I, they're, they're doing like a little, like a little like housing development, I think on Buffalo Bayou. I don't know if you're aware of it. I think it's like uh, four times the size of city center. So yeah, there, there might yeah. be a spot for you there. Who knows? Yeah, no, absolutely. They're great partners. They've been great partners of ours since the beginning. And uh, we're in obviously a lot of their projects and uh, we really enjoy working with them and they're very full thinking in their projects as well, uh, which we really like. Um, and, and they like working with local concepts. And so it's, it's been great to, to be partners with them. Uh, and then just to sort of wrap this up, I mean, what what is the status of, of Dish Society these days? And, and I mean, you've talked, you've been pretty open, I think, on this podcast and elsewhere about, you know, wanting to go to Austin, you're a UT alum. I mean, is yeah. that still in the cards? Yeah, I was actually, I was there on Friday. Uh, Doing, I spent the whole day looking for locations in Austin. Um, you know, we're looking in Dallas-Fort Worth, looking at San Antonio. I mean, you know, a lot of these projects will take, you know, by the time you start looking, by the time you open it, I mean, it could be two years, right? I mean, some of these projects, even in Houston, we've signed leases two and a half years before we've opened just because it was a new project and it just, these things take a while to, to develop. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we opened um, 
new market next year. That's, that's my goal. There's a lot of things outside of my control though. Um, you know, some of the projects that we're looking at are brand new. So they just, they, we can't start construction until they reach a certain point. Right. And so there's a lot of that, but yeah, absolutely. We, um, we definitely, um, are going to, you know, hit the gas on growth, uh, from, from dish society's perspective here in the next, you know, 12 to 18 months, we're going to really start to, to get moving on that. And Brandy, let me just ask you kind of a macro question. You know, you've been involved in the food scene for so long from Pappas to Clark Cooper to everything else. You know, what are you, what are you able to do now at Daily Gather that maybe you couldn't have done back then or, or, or how have things changed over the course of your career? Sure. Um, I think one of the, the biggest things um, to take away just, you know, post COVID and, and, you know, some of the changes that happened in the restaurant business in general is, you know, yes, we've had a lot of people leave the industry and, and decide new career paths. You know, we've, we've had a labor pool that is a little bit different to pull from maybe in the past. And so I think, you know, prior um, some of the other restaurants and groups that I worked in, you know, there was, a, I had a very kind of one way black and white kind of visual of, you know, what I was looking for as far as not only staff, but also food and where we got things from. And it's brought a level of flexibility that I think is really interesting these days. And one of the things that I keep reminding myself is the people that are, you know, applying for jobs now in restaurants today who are coming into the industry who are wanting to start to cook or learn how to prep. All these people have a true desire to be in the spot right now. And maybe their perspective isn't what I've lived through over the past, but I feel like, you know, we've, I've had some people come through my path these, these last couple of weeks that I might not have necessarily thought this guy's going to be an amazing line cook, but they have the skill set from this other job that they've done for so long. And now it's like, we're going to teach you how to be a line cook. And so I think there's a lot of potential, especially in the next coming years of just how we treat our staffs, how we develop people, how we kind of gain this passion back, because, you know, we know that there's been some passion that's lost in, in, in this business over the last years because it's been hard, it's been challenging, but the people who are in it right now, I just find so refreshing because they're like, let's do this concept, let's learn this, let's do this. And to be on the forefront of that, to help push those people and those individuals, I think is really, really exciting. Well, and and from a diner's perspective, I mean, I, you know, for, for all of the occasional horror stories or the people who leave poorly written, like very entitled Yelp reviews, I mean, my general encounters are that people are so happy to be out again. You know, they spend a year at home and they just want to go out and experience and be, you know, waited on and catered to. There, there's so much opportunity, it seems oh, like. absolutely. And what you said right there, that is literally like what we talk about is what can we do at the table? What can we do once you walk into this place that's going to impact you, make an impression, give you an exceptional dining experience? Because you do want that. You do want to be catered to and taken care of and be able to turn your phone off and not have to make decisions and just be pampered. And the whole idea of Southern hospitality, Houston hospitality, very much lives inside of Daily Gather. We've made all of those choices from the food to the people to, like Aaron said in the first part of just what the restaurant looks like. Like, we want you to come into our home. We want to take care of you. And you'd be able to do that three or four times a week if you choose to. Well, yeah, to, to be clear, I, I can't speak for other people, but I, I never turn my phone off and I, I, I always <laughs> want to make all of, I always want to make all of my own choices, but, but, you know, I, I recognize that I, uh, I have a unique perspective on that. 
Yeah, I think just, you know, like you going back to what you said with the, the, the pandemic, I think it's reinforced this need to to go out and to be with people. And I think we all took for granted kind of that FaceTime and that that personal interaction. And we crave that. We need that as a society. And this concept, I think the timing doing is is really special because we're going to be providing that opportunity. And I think people crave that. And it's almost nostalgic in a sense of that hospitality um, and that level of service and, the, and those things and those options that, that we're going to be providing people, I think, want it more now than, than they ever have. So I think it'll be really special. All right. Well, that brings me to the end of my questions. Is there anything you'd like to discuss that I haven't asked you about? We're going to have a really great cocktail program and, you know, of course, wine and, and everything like that, drinks, um, you know, we didn't really talk about that, but that'll be really special. We're sort of dialing that in right now, but it, really excited about that. It's, it's going to be really cool. And then there's a couple of surprises uh, in stores to stay tuned uh, for that. We've got a fun little feature on the patio that we're going to be unveiling here pretty soon. All right. Well, we will look forward to seeing that at Daily Gather in January. Before I let you go, of course, you have to play the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. And since you've both been on the show before, I have new questions. So uh, we'll, we'll see how, <laughs> we we'll see how these questions. goes. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm bringing back a classic for, for the first question. Aaron Lyons, what is your favorite ingredient? Mushrooms. Brandy Key. Meyer Lemons. Brandy, what are you currently binge watching? Oh, uh, Lord. Uh, I've not been watching anything. (laughs) (laughs) Aaron, how about you? Uh, uh, Succession and uh, Billions are my two that I'm, when I have time, I'm able to kind of watch. Aaron, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive Taco Bell all day. Brandy, how about you? Uh, Chick-fil-A. So uh, I'm, I'm trying this one out. What is, I, everyone tells me they're too busy to go out. So what is the new restaurant you're dying to try, but haven't had, to, haven't had time to visit yet? Oh, I got a whole list of them. Uh, I'm pulling my list up right now. because uh... I know, I'm like, I don't have my phone. Uh, uh, let's see. Let's see. I would say mine. Um, you know, I think uh, Sophia's in the Heights, I think. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I've seen some really good stuff on that. That'd probably be one um, for me. Yeah, we just we just talked about that before you got on the show. It's 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 fantastic. Perfect. Oh, I can't wait. Um, this is not a, a, a necessarily a new one, but I haven't been and I really want to go. And it's Doris Metropolitan. Oh yeah, that's one of my favorites. Just, oh I, yeah, one of my I just absolute. Gotten there, and I've got to go. Yep, yep, agreed. You got to go. Yeah, I just, I just made my next, uh, my next Doris reservation yesterday for an upcoming meal. So yeah, no, I highly recommend it. Absolutely. Uh, and then, and then finally, Aaron Lyons, what are your essential burger toppings? Uh, I'm pretty. I am pretty clean. Um, I like cheese. I don't like lettuce. I love an egg. I like a sunny side up egg in avocado and bacon. I kind of like a breakfasty burger, honestly. Randy, how about you? I am hardcore classic. Lettuce, tomato, pickle, onion, mustard, mayo. And the meat better be on the bottom bun. 
I have no opinion whatsoever. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Aaron, let's let's wrap this up. Give us the the website for Dish Society Daily Gather Instagram, whatever, whatever, however people want you want people to yeah. keep track of what you're working on. Uh, DishSociety.com and at Dish Society, and then DailyGather.com and at Daily Gather. Pretty simple. So check us out. Follow us. Stay tuned for updates. Looking forward to uh, bringing this new concept to Houston. Thanks so much for your time, both of you. It's great to have you back on the show. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.